You're listening to Asking for a Friend with therapist Stephen Ng. It's a conversation about human sexuality and how to approach it with intelligence, understanding, and compassion. Hi, this is Steve Ng on uh, Asking for a Friend, talking to my friend Jackie again about, well, something sexual. And I think uh, you had something you wanted to talk about, Jackie. It always feels like we're talking about what I want to talk about. We should, kind of we does, should focus but... more on your on your <laughs> what you want to talk about sometimes. But here's what I want to talk about. Um, have you seen the new Amy Schumer movie, I Feel Pretty? I love Amy Schumer, and I saw her first movie, but I haven't seen the last two. Um, I understand you can skip the second one. <laughs> Thanks um, for the heads up. Trainwreck was great. I really enjoyed I Feel Pretty, and I loved the message. And I was thinking of what you do while I was watching it. How what, so? Um, I have to ask how so (laughs) that you would be watching Amy Schumer and thinking about me. Thinking of you. Of what what I do. Um, And again, we should probably just go ahead and say spoilers don't, you know, if you care about spoilers, probably. Hey, if you haven't seen it by now, you're not going to go see it anyway, (laughs) so don't worry about it. So so what I enjoyed about it is Amy Schumer basically plays, she basically, she plays a character who is a little bit overweight, kind of ordinary looking, um, and her whole goal in life is to be pretty. Um, And let me guess, she feels not so good about herself. She feels not so good about herself. She's constantly evaluating herself in the mirror. She's constantly buying new makeup products. She's constantly, you know, playing with her hair. Um, She hits her head. She wakes up and miraculously is gorgeous. She has a traumatic brain injury and as a result sustains personality changes. Yes. Wow. Um, And she's obviously not gorgeous, but she thinks that she is. Or she's at least no more gorgeous than she was. She's not the gorgeous that she thinks that she wants to be. Really? Okay. So she looks in the mirror and she doesn't see anything wrong. She anything. Looks anything perfect. wrong. The part, the, actually, the one part, problem I have with this is that she doesn't go and try to buy clothes that are smaller um, <laughs> because she's very obsessed with her weight and the way that her, her body, she's, you know, her body image. Um, but because of the traumatic brain injury and thinking that she's all that, her personality changes and she becomes very, very confident. And all of a sudden she will just start going out and asking for what she wants and, and, and very getting it because people are responding to this newfound confidence. Wow. I'm just thinking about that old, do you know that, do you remember that Harrison Ford movie from I way do. back? Yeah. Was it Finding Henry? Finding Henry, where he has to get shot in the head to... He has a traumatic brain injury and he becomes a much more decent human being. And the moral, the takeaway here is that men are better sh- if they get hit in the head and women become... What? When they fall off an exercise bike. Um, <laughs> women become more vain? I don't know. Well, what I got off, what I, what I got from the movie is um, we spend way too much time obsessed with our looks and, and our weight and all these things where confidence and, and being, obviously we need to be healthy. I mean, obviously we, we need to be healthy, but that our confidence and what we exude is so much more important. Wow. I've got two anecdotes for you that kind of prove your point. One um, is that I had a friend who took me to, uh, she took me to a um, belly dancing performance uh, made up of a club of women. She knew most of the members in the club and they were all lovely. Everyone in the performance was absolutely lovely. And, but the best performer by far, and including by best, I mean, most elegant, most sensual, most evocative of sensuality was uh, the oldest woman 
who was easily 40, 50 pounds overweight. And I'm guessing she was over 50 and she had reached a point in her life where she had made her peace with her body and herself. And she was able to dance in such a way that it, frankly, it put the entire audience at a greater sense of ease. And we all just, you know, we kind of sat back and men and women watching this and sort of you know how we all love a happy ending in a movie? Mm-hmm. This was a happy ending in this woman's life story. And it just felt, I, it felt so great because for a moment there, it was all about performance and exoticism and all the rest. And then it became about something richer and deeper and far more human. And I've never forgotten that experience. I think it's just what you're talking about. Yeah, it's interesting. The um, so, she, so she meets a man, and this is the part that's about the sex. What? <laughs> why we're talking about it on this show. Um, she meets a man and he's, you know, they're comparable looks. They, they match, I guess, for lack of a better word. And, um, but he still would have been out of her league before, you know, before she got hit on the head. According to her own According view. to her own view. Um, but now she's, she assumes he's hitting on her. She reacts accordingly. <laughs> she gives him her phone number. And then when he doesn't call fast enough, she calls him and they go out. And, and he, and, and this is a part I loved about this movie, is watching his face as he fell in love with her. And he is amazed by this woman who is just so confident and exudes exactly what you're talking about. She just exudes this you know, this feeling and he and he responds to it accordingly. He's eating it up. He loves it. He absolutely loves it. But that's not even I mean, then the later in the film, and I guess this is the spoiler, the super hot rich guy who is, you know, on the covers of magazines also responds to her and also wants her. Home wrecker. Because he's you know, he's he's just so enamored with her with who she who who she thinks she is. I mean, he buys into it too. Yeah. Yeah, yeah I, I honestly I think that that kind of is a um, an example from film of that general truth that if you don't have a problem with you, the rest of us are likely to not have a problem with you, but if you walk and you talk like a victim, the rest of us are kind of going to think about you that way as well. It's really hard to have others buy into a truth that you do yourself do not buy into about yourself. Right. And and we were talking um, before the show about men and how this applies to men as well. And there's a scene in there the first time that they uh, make love and he keeps trying to turn off the lights. You know, he keeps he keeps leaning over and turning off the light and then she leans over and turns it back on because, you know, she's all into herself. <laughs> and uh, and he's just he doesn't he doesn't want any part of it. He does not want her to see him naked. Um, and eventually they leave the light on. They have amazing sex. They fall in love. And, you know, you know, I was for me, um, I wanted to go back and revisit that that business of the dawning sense of joy and happiness on his face as he realizes that she is who she is because at least a part of the film a subtext is that she sees what he sees as well it's it's sort of an end to aesthetic loneliness i don't know if you've ever been in a museum with somebody who hated museums but it's not a pleasant experience when you're looking at beautiful art and say would you look at that and they say can we go now It's really discouraging, and it's the same way when you try to share a beautiful sunset with someone who can't enjoy nature. And for, I'm just going to go out on a limb and speak for all heterosexual men who've ever fallen in love with any woman. I'm sure you can safely do that. I think I can. Because all Um, heterosexual men are the same. Well, we've had meetings. (laughs) And and I, I think... 
I think men want the woman they adore to know and accept that adoration. We want it as a form of communication. You know, they say that touch is the most honest form of communication because it's the most intimate. But I would say that extends overall to sexuality. We all know what the smarmy uh, ladies man acts like, and that's not a very believable kind of character. But for the guy who truly is smitten and who adores the woman he's with, it's we, we use words like adoration for sure, but even worship and... Um, and, and it's very much the same language that religiously people have used for millennia for talking about how uh, believers feel about the sacred. And I think for a man in love with a woman, that's, that's sort of a holy dimension to our existence. And to be able to share that with her where she understands, where she gets me, she understands how much I'm in love and how much beauty I find by looking into her eyes or caressing her skin or just looking at her shape. And and the appreciation that I have instead of typically uh, handing a lot of women compliments, uh, get they get treated as if they were a bouquet of flowers made out of skunkweed and they get thrown to the ground. Uh, You're so beautiful. No, I'm not. No, you really are beautiful. What's wrong You're with just your saying eyes? That. Do you need to get your eyes checked? <laughs> yeah, stop being so stupid. You're being ridiculous. Um, and I think men really want that kind of communication with the women they adore. So I haven't seen the movie, but I have to say I'm very happy with that part of the presentation. Well, and I think about what you're saying, the uh, Peter Gabriel song, In Your Eyes. Yeah. Um, I remember being in a relationship like this where I was looked at like that, and I could see myself through his eyes, and I changed. Yeah. I mean, obviously for the better, it was just, it was an incredible feeling. And I think that you're right that, and I, I'm going to go ahead and speak for all heterosexual women because <laughs> we also have meetings. Um, if we allow ourselves to enjoy that and to be, and to believe what they say and to, you know, embrace it, I think that it could be magical. You know, I, I'm also a father of daughters, so I have some skin in the game on that side of the, uh, of, of the fence. And I have to say... I would not want any of my daughters or my daughter's daughters to ever settle for some guy who is, you know, I could take her or leave her or... She's fine. <laughs> she's okay. Um, you know, I think she's pretty, sort of. You know, that's not adequate for me. I mean, I I, I, I just think we all need to be adored. And, and otherwise, why even bother moving in with each other? Why bother, bother getting into a committed relationship if I'm with someone who really isn't that into me? Um, if, if you're a person who really needs love and if you really want to be loved in that sense, I think we should all be holding out for somebody who's crazy about us. And I think this sort of aesthetic appreciation that goes far beyond mere, oh, she's so pretty. You know, it goes far beyond that. It's it's really a, a spiritual part of what I think a partnership is all about. Well, and, and bringing it back to the movie um, and connected to what you're saying is there's not one set of beauty. Oh, you know, the, the, so glad you said that. <laughs> I mean, everybody appreciates different things and, and to acknowledge that what we are, while it may not be, you know, we're not going to be on the cover of a magazine. Um, you, but you might, you never know. I mean, nobody thought Demi Moore would be on the cover of a magazine nearly nude when she was, what, close to giving birth. And yet there she was and she looked amazing and she looked beautiful. And I have to say, you know, 
in the last 30 years of my career, I've counseled thousands of men. And, you know, for the most part, any one of them would be a great wingman for me because they're all different and they all like different kinds of beauty. Mm -hmm. And there are some men who like women to be tall and skinny and other women, other men who like women to be shorter and rounder and still other men who like something in between. And I don't care what is going on in any woman, there is absolutely positively her fair market share of men out there who would be her biggest fans. And I would say that absolutely goes the other way as well. I mean, plenty of times I've been out with my friends and I've said, oh, right there. And they're like, <laughs> really? That guy? <laughs> yeah. And and, and that, that is true because I've, I've noticed in my own life, uh, thousands of women have found me quite resistible, <laughs> but that I have my fair market share of a committed group of women who, who like old white guys with almost no hair. And almost so, <laughs> no hair. <laughs> and so I have, uh, you know, I have an absolute faith in this. And it's, it's sort of funny, isn't it? I mean, when it happens, it's like, I mean, it's funny until one gets it into one's head that it's a thing. It's going to happen. It's probably happened lots of times that we were never aware of it. And then when we do become aware of it, it's like, oh, it's so pleasant. You know, isn't it? It's so pleasant that somebody finds us attractive in that way. But I, for my, for me, it has nothing to do with aging because I'm now a guy in my 60s. And I noticed even in my 20s, 30s and 40s, uh, I didn't experience any more attention than I do as an older man. And I think the same thing is true of me that where I would normally have been looking at women my own age. Well, I'm still looking at women my own age and still enjoying the visual pleasure, even without meeting them. And then, of course, once you meet an amazing woman who's got that that wonderful glint of intelligence in her eyes or those laugh lines around her, her mouth where she's been smiling, laughing for decades, that there's something pretty hot and, and, and really compelling. I have to, I'm just sighing thinking about how wonderful it is when you meet someone like that. And, and you know, I'm a happily married guy. I don't need to take them all home with me. <laughs> It's like visiting the the Louvre in Paris. I don't need to take the Mona Lisa or all the other masterpieces home with me. I can enjoy them without owning them. And to be able to be that person who can say, wow, the good Lord knew what he was doing when he put that one together. Oh, my gosh. Well, and I'm going to guess um, we all have photos of ourselves in our 20s and 30s, maybe, and when we were so fat and so ugly and so oh, when nobody I would cringe, ever. I cringe. I cringe at those days. But you go and you look at those photos and it's like pretty hot. <laughs> <laughs> pretty, but, but we had no idea. We had no idea. and I Because you were so self-critical at the right? time. Right. And I just, I have to think that maybe not being so hot, but a little bit more confident and not needing to be assured all the time, you know, that you're pretty. I would think that that trade-off is, is pretty, pretty good. Yeah. You know, in, in uh, AA, I've been to a bunch of AA meetings in my life um, where they, they tell the attendees to keep coming back. We're going to love you until you're able to love yourself. I think there's something to that idea. And I've noticed when it comes to 
you know, women in their 20s who are hating their body and all they can do is pay attention to what's wrong. It makes it really hard to even accept the idea that some man could just fall all over himself in adoration of just your physical beauty. And he, by the way, he hasn't even got to know how wonderful the inside is, the personality, the character, and all of that sense of humor and all that goes with it. So it's I don't, I don't know where we all can get this, but I, I suspect all of us could use kind of a, an arm around the shoulder from, well, women with their girlfriends and men with their men friends to be affirming each other, to letting each other know that, and, and to doing the same for our children, you know, as mothers and fathers, to be able to say, you're an amazing person. Somebody's going to be very lucky to meet you. You know, to be able to share that kind of affirmation with each other. I'll tell you, here, here's, I had a second story I didn't share. One of my clients years ago was a manager of a strip club. And of course, he had seen a lot of the entertainers come and go. And he had also seen a number of them get breast augmentation uh, because they felt insecure about themselves and they just knew it would help them earn more money and along with attracting uh, more men into their lives. And so they'd go ahead and get the uh, breast implants. And he said, and it worked. It worked for at least three months. And then by the end of three months, the newness, you know, that new car smell had worn off and their tips fell back down to where they were. His explanation, when they first got their augmentation, they were feeling really sexy. They were feeling really comfortable with themselves in a way they had not before, kind of like that older belly dancer I told you about earlier. But as time went by, that external fix really wasn't nearly enough to change those deeply held personal convictions that they really weren't worthy of love and they really weren't worthy of being appreciated. And they really, after all, weren't all that. And I know we're talking about strippers, but I think it, 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 it's a reference to beauty uh, that I think all women could relate to. And men. Well, you know. Well, not with the boobs. Yeah. The I, boobs I, is specific. I, I don't know. You know, with us men, I, I really don't think looks are a thing all that much. I don't think men, as long as we look, we can look in the mirror without wincing, we're pretty happy. You know, it's, uh, we have a much lower bar. <laughs> Lucky. <laughs> well, it's true. I mean, you know, there's a saying in um, one of the Harry Potter books where uh, a male character gets disfigured and scarred badly. And his new bride is asked by the mother-in-law uh, about whether her feelings will be changing. And uh, I think actually it's before their marriage, before the wedding. And she sniffs derisively and she says... Uh, something like, oh, forget about that. I'm pretty enough for the both of us. <laughs> <laughs> and I think that's honestly how most of us men feel. I I don't want to have to average our beauty by um, throwing myself into the mix. I'm perfectly content to adore her and, and to think that she is the one. And uh, I don't have to be up on the same platform with her. I, in fact, I would feel very uncomfortable with the guy who needed to. Hi, this uh, is Steve Ng. And once again, you've uh, spent 20 minutes listening to us talk about sex. And it wasn't that uncomfortable, was it? <laughs> <laughs> Thanks, Jackie. Thank you. We'll talk to you soon. Thank you for listening to Asking for a Friend with therapist Stephen Ng. If you have questions for Stephen, please tweet us at Stephen Ng MFT.